Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in here on this leap day. Happy February 29th. Happy Thursday. Glad to have you with us. All right, this news came out mid-afternoon yesterday uh, about the death of Richard Lewis yeah. at the age of 75. Sad, and it was a heart attack. Uh, he had not been, I guess, in, in great health recently, but it was a heart attack that ended up ending his life. And, uh, I mean, Richard Lewis is a guy that has just been a staple in comedy for almost as long as I've been around. Um, did some great stand-up. We'll hear a little bit of it uh, from the early 80s and was in movies, uh, was part of Mel, uh, Mel Brooks's you know, mm-hmm. stable for a while and just did some incredible work. This is from his sort of stand-up heyday. This is from a comic relief appearance, I believe, in 1984 or 85. I'm paranoid about everything in my life. Even at home, I, on my stationary bike, I have a rear-view mirror, which I'm not thrilled about. <laughs> and... Sadly, my last shrink, she just, she retired about a week ago. I'm freaked out, and it was, it was sort of a, a nightmare. She was, she was only 24. I guess I burned her out real fast, and uh, <laughs> the last session was unbelievable. She set herself on fire. She ran out of the session going, no mas, no mas. <laughs> <laughs> he was just that guy. I mean, he built that character, that totally neurotic stage mm-hmm. persona, and did it absolutely brilliantly. Talk about, for a second, um his role on Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah. which is what a lot of people know him for. Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, working with Larry David was kind of the perfect thing for Richard Lewis because, mm-hmm. they, I mean, they had very similar styles. Um, Chromogeny. Yeah, and, and and that was, I mean, if you had to kind of pick out a difference between the two, it's that Larry David was just a little bit darker. You know, yeah. that Richard Lewis was, oh, I can't believe all of this is happening to me, and Larry David is, I can't believe this happens. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, so they worked incredibly well together. And, uh, you know, it just that that uh, if you had to pick people to put together, I mean, Larry David's uh, longtime collaboration with Jerry Seinfeld, of course, made millions of dollars for both of Mm -hmm. them. Uh, But if you had to add people in there, the next person you would add would be Richard Lewis. Larry David was a co-creator of Seinfeld. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, that's how I got to know Larry David. That's how I knew the name initially. 
And then I loved Curb Your Enthusiasm. I just thought that was great. And then to learn, oh, he was a co-creator of Seinfeld. This all makes sense now. Yeah. If yeah. you ever get a chance, um, there, there is you know, Jerry Seinfeld does the comedians in cars getting coffee thing. And, I don't like it, but yeah. It, well, he did one with Larry David that is absolutely yeah. stellar, where they sit there and eat pancakes and talk about how how weird it is that when pancakes get cold, they don't taste good anymore because heat is not a flavor, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And that's in that kind of comedy, again, back to Richard Lewis, is very much in his wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Richard Lewis is one of those. I couldn't have told you. I knew he did stand up. I couldn't tell you what kind. Yeah. I just always knew him and thought fondly of him. And his, uh, I mean, the movie role, even though he didn't have a lot to do in Robin Hood Men in Tights, the Mel Brooks movie, he was fantastic in it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's, he was always fun to watch. He was always interesting to watch. And, yeah, sad to see him gone. Absolutely, at the age of 75. Uh, coming up later, maybe this hour, maybe next hour, um, <laughs> I thought this story was a joke. There is a spinoff that is coming of one of the longest running shows on television. And I, 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 thought it, I thought it was a joke, but it's real. And I'm excited about it. We'll get to that coming up uh, a little bit later this hour. But first up, I uh, saw this story here. Uh, this was out of the New York Post about what a woman discovered after she's just in her backyard and she lifts up this slab of stone and what she finds. And it was a room and as a matter of fact not just a room it was a room that had been there for a long time these relics from the 1950s and and early 1960s when people were still building bomb shelters in their backyards and uh, yeah i mean she said like you said we just moved into the house had no idea that the shelter was out in their backyard and then discovered the thing and, and like i said it's extensive i mean this is not a chintzy little thing. There's this arched entryway with stairs that go down into it. And she took people via TikTok down into the into this structure under her backyard um, and made a video of the entire thing. It's wild. It's also weird what she found in it. Because you're right. There are stairs that go down into it and there are rooms. Um, this has been viewed on TikTok four million times. There's a pipe hanging from the ceiling that activates a hidden wall door in a coat closet. Um, they found electricity breaker boxes, old time gas masks, rusted over candles. Um, uh, let me scroll up here a little bit. The other stuff that they had found, it's just all kinds of stuff in there uh, that, that they were ready for. Yeah. In case they needed it. And that was, you see, this is in Great Britain, and I guess now they have to do the work to try to figure out exactly when this thing was built. Because we think of bomb shelters as being late 50s, early 60s, but in Great Britain, air raid shelters were built in the 1940s because of the Blitz. So it could conceivably be that old. Yeah, there were bottles, there were bowls, there were things in it that made me think it had been used. Rat traps were down there. Which makes you think it was lived in yeah. at one point. Yeah, it, and I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about making a mother-in-law apartment out of it out in the backyard, but <laughs> still, you know, you could, I guess, if you wanted to, especially when it was new. It's a little, I mean, it's, it's a basement, effectively. So yeah. all of the things you would expect, all the water seeping in through the walls and all of that stuff, that's there. But it started me to wondering, um, I, we took a trip down into Alabama uh, at one point to go get a dog. And this is many, many years ago. And the, if you drive through northern Alabama around Huntsville, that area, 
you'll see these things out in the backyards, and I'm sure you'll see them in, in the middle of Kansas as well, where there will just be a little hump in the ground with a door in it. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, are, are they? is that what that is? Is that a bomb shelter? And we found out very quickly, no, 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 that's a tornado shelter is what that is. Yeah. But they're the same kinds of things. And, I, yeah, I wonder how many of those that we still have that are, you know, that maybe are disused but still exist all around the area because, I mean, when we thought the bomb was going to drop in the late 50s, uh-huh. people spent a lot of money putting those things out there. If you have anything like that, 913-586-7798, we just had a crawl space in our house and it was when I was growing up and it was because it was northern Illinois and we got a lot of tornadoes um, and it was icky. Like, I remember being at home a couple of times. I've seen two tornadoes up close in my life. And one was one of the first times I stayed at home alone, like the first summer. It's like 10 or 11. And I can see, we lived out in the country, and so I can see a tornado a mile away. There was still no way I was going in that crawl space. There, I, there was just no way. <laughs> it was just disgusting and weird and gross. Yeah, it's the northeast corner is where you're supposed to go, right? If there's a tornado, like if you go down into the basement, you're supposed to stay in the northeast corner of the room. I because, didn't even know that. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I could have it screwed up, but somebody on the text line will tell me if I blew it. But in our house where I grew up, in the northeast corner, in the basement, that happened to be where the uh, where the tank was for the fuel oil. And so okay. it was this room that had this giant metal door that was on sliders, you know, so it slid open along a track. And that's where we figured, okay, if, if anything ever happens like that, that's where we'll go is down into that room. My dad used it to, uh, he used it as a greenhouse. And then I found out later why he had the greenhouse in the basement, but that's another story for another day. So, uh, yeah, it, it, that, it was its own little enclave. You know what I mean? It's like, it's in the house, but it's still kind of separate from everything else. So my logic about that, which is probably going to be wrong, is that tornadoes tend to go southwest to northeast. Okay, yeah. Tend to. So is the logic behind that, it's going to be the last thing? Like it's going to hit the it's going to hit the southwest corner first? The other corner first. So if it falls in, that's where most of the stuff is going to fall. Right. And so it's you're least likely to be hit by things because somebody tell me if, if I'm right. <laughs> Maybe me so good with directions. <laughs> Randy and Odessa might know. Let's find out. Hello, Randy. Welcome into the program. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. What do you got? Hey, those. Uh, my grandmother had one of those in her yard when I was a kid. The hump of dirt and you had a door you walked out in it. Yeah. That's where they that's where they stored their canned goods from their garden and in the wintertime they'd go down to the pond and cut ice and put it in there. Sure. And then they'd have they'd have ice through the summer. They weren't originally built for storm shelters. They were like the root cellar. Oh, okay. So them. it was it was built for that. Yeah. Um, built for storing their food and stuff in it because they didn't have refrigerators or nothing back then. So it just happened to be it was there if you needed it. If if a big storm came and you wanted to get somewhere yeah, yeah, that was going to be safe, yeah, you could run down to the root cellar. Yeah. Very cool. All right, Randy. That's what, thank you. That's what they originally were. Got you it. Bet. Good deal. Yeah, and that's what I heard from a lot of the people with those those kinds of shelters built in there is they would do the same thing. It's like just because you would use it in case of that doesn't mean you can't store stuff in there somebody in the text line totally countered what i just said and now i don't know what i don't know what's true somebody on the text line just said to avoid tornadoes be on the west side of your basement because tornadoes 
because tornadoes, okay? I, I had always heard, I thought I had always heard Northeast. Like I said, I, I could be wrong on that, but, I mean, it's happened before. I, I certainly don't feel like I'm solid enough on it that I would go to the mattresses on it. But logically, it makes sense. Yeah. So, so maybe Tom in Independence knows. Let's see if he's got some more information for us. Hello, Tom. Hey, I uh, I worked on a house in Collinsville, Illinois that had a bomb shelter in it. Did you really? Uh, yeah. So it was uh, it was a great big ranch home, uh, probably four thousand square feet. And you walk down to the end of the uh, basement. Um, there's a sealed door, and you walk, open the door. You walk about ten feet down, uh, ten feet straight, and then you turn to the right and go about ten feet, and then you turn to the left, and then you walk down eight steps, and there was a concrete wall in front of you, and then you walk back up eight steps and walk like another 10 feet. And then there's another door and you walk into this room. Um, and in that room, there was like a storage area that had like old canned goods in it. Uh, there was a, a bicycle that like powered a light. Um, and then there was a trap door that basically just went out. You just opened a steel door and it, it, there was this dirt on the outside of it where you could dig yourself out. So this was a place clearly that was built as a bomb shelter. Cause if you went in there, you were going to be there for a while. Yes. How far ahead. Oh, it go had ahead. ways to like uh, vent, like the uh, when you rode the bicycle, it vented air out the out through the top and stuff. <laughs> and so it was, it was just something totally unique and weird. Yeah, but, yeah. How far underground were you when you were in that final chamber where the bike was? So I don't think it went any further down. I think you're just at basically, if you think about, it, you're you know ten maybe ten feet underground. Okay. With concrete, completely concealed in concrete. So I forget what they said the concrete thickness was, but like where the, you know, it was probably 10 inches thick everywhere. And so you're in it, you're maybe five, 10 feet underground with, you know, 10 inches of concrete above, above you. I mean, all they needed was a school desk to hide under. That's what they told mm -hmm. us. <laughs> that was going to protect us from everything. <laughs> yeah, right. I think this was more like a nuclear attack. Like yeah. if you, yeah, if you had to be there, like it had a, a, a little, um, there was almost like a crawl space that you went, went further back in. And that's where, like, all the canned goods were. And so they were just – and the canned goods were so old, you just touch them and they just explode. Yeah. Like in your hand. They were Ugh. they were ready for it, though. I love yeah, it. Tom, thank were. you. That's cool. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Tom. Collinsville, Illinois. Yeah, uh, we're the home of the ketchup bottle. That the what of the what? They have the, the, the water tower in Collinsville, Illinois. is shaped like a ketchup bottle. Really? Yeah. On purpose? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's painted like one, too. I mean, it, it it looks like. I don't know why. I'm sure there's a story behind it. But, yeah, that's the that's their big. Collinsville. <laughs> yeah. Illinois. Ketchup bottle, yeah. And it's also. Oh, my gosh. Home okay. Of the, home of the Garlic Festival, too. They call it the official website and fan club for the world's largest ketchup bottle. Yep. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, Every town's got to have something. In 1995, this landmark roadside attraction was saved from demolition and beautifully restored to its original appearance. In 2002, it was named to the National Register of Historic Places. Okay, this is where I always wonder stuff. Why did it go there? Like, was the inventor of ketchup from Collinsville or something? <laughs> I think the inventor of ketchup was from China. But um, yeah, are you the, serious? The, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It, it's it was kind of adapted. Uh, Heinz did it. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, whatever his first name was. But uh, yeah, he brought home the recipe from China and then modified it and yeah, added some more tomatoes or something like that. But uh, yeah, there may have been like a ketchup. Yeah, yeah, bottling company or something like mm -hmm. that in Collinsville at one time. I'm sure there's a connection. On the FAQ section of this website, as I now go completely <laughs> scroll on this, what is the difference between catsup 
and ketchup. Which is what it says on the Collinsville bottle. It's spelled C-A-T-S-U-P. Yes. And they said there is no difference. Yep. It's just a spelling difference is all. Okay. Huh. All right. I'm going to keep going on this website. We'll move on to some other things. No. One of the questions on here is, is it really filled with ketchup? (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's great. I, well, and the answer is, <laughs> we'll never tell. That's right. No, it's a water tower. But, um, yeah, if you do find out why Collinsville, all this time that I've known it was there, it never occurred to me to ask why it's there. So it has something to do with its Brooks brand ketchup, yes. I guess is what the bottle is. And that... The Brooks brand is owned by Bird's Eye Foods. Mm-hmm. The product is manufactured in Canada. It must be something with the Brooks brand. Yeah. They, like I said, they must have had a bottling company there at some point yeah. or something along those lines. Oh, in fact, they did. In fact, I found an old picture of it that looks like it's from about the 19, early 50s, late 40s, that has a Brooks Finer Foods building right next to it. The building's no longer there, but the bottle remains. We get the world's largest ball of twine, <laughs> and we get Big Brutus, and they get the ketchup bottle. There you go. All right, coming up, we will talk about the story out of Idaho. Um, 10 tries and they couldn't get it. And now we don't know what goes from here. We'll get to this coming up here in KMBZ. Phone number here, 913-586-7798. Um, we only have a few minutes left of this half hour. We might keep talking about this here for a little bit, but, um, man. So Idaho yesterday was about to do its first execution in 12 years and they were set to execute a guy named thomas creech who is an admitted serial killer 73 years old um it's odd that they start this in the middle of the day but they did and the supreme court had ruled against all appeals and said this is going to go forward the task of trying to accomplish this execution went on almost a dozen times yeah and it went on for well over an hour the big deal with this execution and the reason why they couldn't get it done and and still have not by the way is that they couldn't find a vein they were going to execute him via lethal execution or uh, lethal injection rather and uh and they, they couldn't get a vein on him anywhere. And they tried a bunch of different parts of his body and finally they just said nope and called the thing off yeah, I, I have one version that says they tried eight times. I also heard what you saw. Ten. Which is that it was ten. Yep. Um, and I heard, and it's not in the version of the story that I have, but they tried arms. They tried ankles. I mean, think of every major vein that you have in your body, and they tried different body parts. And they had access issues at some point. And other times they encountered a vein quality issue. And it, at some point, the decision was made to halt the execution. Yeah. And it's a real problem because if you have, I mean, he's 73 years old. So that's one thing. And there are things you can do, by the way, that can make it harder for them to find a vein. So we yeah. don't know if he did those two. But uh, in, in any respect, if you're attempting to give somebody effectively poison uh, to kill them, and they blow a vein. I mean, if you've ever had an IV and had a vein blow, it's, it, it can be a little bit painful. It's usually not that big a deal. But when you're putting that kind of chemical into somebody's body, it can be a very big deal. And it can cause issues if you're, uh, you know, if what you do to somebody is deemed to be cruel and unusual. That's a big constitutional question. So 
what do they do now? They don't really know. They don't really know how to proceed now. Idaho allows for firing squad, but they do not have the facilities for that. They're not set up to do that. They said um, any further attempt at lethal injection would require the state to seek out new chemicals, but it's not clear if they're going to be able to get a hold of those. The question I raised then was, well, can they do what Alabama just did? That's going to require going through some court and asked if the department could consider using nitrogen gas, which is what Alabama did. They said that would require a change to state law. Yep. Yeah, because normally that that is if you're in a state that does executions at all, it's codified exactly in state law what you can do and anything else is not allowed unless they add it in legislatively. Can we can, can we put a limit on the number of times we try before we stop? Like if you can't get it after the third body part or after the third try, instead of putting this guy through 10 tries and then you say stop, like why didn't they just keep going? before they tried and you're right there are things that can happen to the body and i don't want to discuss them because i don't but but there are things that an inmate can do in order to make it harder to do lethal injection yeah effectively you dehydrate yourself right and so can you i don't want them to think of this but if they think that was a problem isn't there a way to make sure the person is hydrated before you do this? Well, there's there's two ways to hydrate, right? One of them involves an IV. IV, right. <laughs> so right. Un- unless you're going to force the guy to drink water, which yeah, I, I guess they could. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that's something that he may not have done. It may simply be because he's 73 years old and he's been living yeah. in prison for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do now? At what point do you say, you know what? This is not possible here or i don't know when idaho's lawmakers are in are in session you could call i mean if you really were serious about this the governor could call a special session write legislation that gets this done and given the makeup of the idaho legislature they would probably do that and they'd probably get it to pass fairly easily if they can figure out something that would work and pass constitutional muster i would think that at this point that's exactly what they're going to be working on now he's been behind bars for a long time Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, do, do they want to continue, given the fact that he's already had one execution date? And how much, you know, will there be any kind of an appellate issue? I don't think so, but it's always possible for an attorney to say, look, you took 10 tries to try to execute this guy. And to put him through that and now to put him through another stint on death row would be cruel and unusual. You would at least get a hearing on that. You could argue that what they just did to him was cruel and unusual. Sure. I don't know at what point it became that. I don't know after how many tries it became that, but to go through that process and he's laying there and the arm doesn't work and the leg doesn't work and the ankle doesn't work. I mean, you could argue you've already, they've already got a problem constitutionally. Definitely. And and I know I haven't even looked at the text line, but I know it's going to come in. Who cares what happens to him? Yeah, yeah, I know. But, but the constitution does. And that, I mean, this is the state having to follow federal law. So even though you don't care that he's in pain, and I'm sure a lot of people don't care that he's in pain, the, the constitution has to. Yes. If you have thoughts on what should happen next on how they should proceed, 913-586-7798. Still to come this hour, there is new audio about the Titan submersible. And it looks like now we're going to have a documentary about it. 
already? We'll get to that coming up here on KMBZ. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Happy Leap Day. Welcome in here on a Thursday. Talk about stories that people are still fascinated by. It is the implosion of the Titan submersible. And we learned yesterday that new audio maybe is out. Yeah, they've got, there's a documentary coming up about this, which raises questions, as you alluded to a few minutes ago uh, as well, that we can get to. But what they're going to do, and and even this, it really is a questionable decision on the part of the filmmakers. Uh, the people who are making this the documentary about the, the entire Titan submersible thing, and in case you forgot, this is the one that was going down to visit the Titanic last year. And about you know, three quarters of the way down, it just ceased communications. And then there was this a massive search that went on for days and days and days to try to find out if the people on board were still alive somehow. And then we found out, no, the thing had imploded on the way down. Uh, and then there were all the questions about, OK, how did this disaster happen with so many people that had previously raised red flags about this thing saying, look, this is going to end badly. And it did. And it killed everybody on board. Um, you know, how did this happen? Which... Okay, we can get into that when we get into talking about whether the documentary should even happen. But right after the communications ceased with the surface, we started to hear rumors about banging noises that were mm -hmm. heard on hydrophones. And that's the audio that's now out and available to the public and that the, uh, the makers of this documentary are going to use in the documentary they have that audio so they're going to play it and it's just i mean it's what you would think it sounds like a metallic banging and it's raising again questions about what happened there but the thing is we know the implosion happened right and there was no time for anybody to be alive so the speculation now is that those banging noises were the stuff either hitting the, the ocean floor or you know, hitting each hitting other. each other. Right, yeah. yeah, stuff that was just part of the wreckage that was banging into each other on the ocean floor that as the currents and the waves went by underwater, slammed the stuff together. Before we get to the ethics 
of a documentary being done. What will a documentary include and be about? Because like you said, I mean, we, we know what happened. We, we know that there it, yeah. was an, yeah, we went through it. We know that there was an implosion. Um, there are a ton of videos online that can show you that simulation. And we know that the nine people, nine, it was nine people inside, I think so, right? yeah. We know the nine people inside. Five, I'm sorry. Yeah, there oh, were five. I'm, where am I getting nine from? Sorry. Um, died immediately. That at that depth and that pressure, other than giving us a physics lesson, what is this documentary going to be about? It's a great question. And I think, I mean, there's a couple of things you can do. You can, um, for example, with the, with the documentaries that were done following the Challenger disaster in 1986, they focused on the two guys from Morton Thiokol who were trying desperately to stop the launch that morning because they knew what was going to happen and nobody would listen to them. That same kind of thing happened with the Titan submersible. People quit and said, look, I'm not going to be a part of this. This is going to end in disaster. That thing is not seaworthy, not at the depths that you're talking about, and you're going to kill a lot of people. I'm out. So right. you interview them. Why did you know? What did you know? Why did nobody listen to you? Did you have any other options? That sort of thing. And then you focus on the search. So is there interest in this documentary? That's the big question. Yes. I have none. Um, I can't speak for everybody. Obviously, I can only speak for me. But and maybe it's because we spent all that time last year doing this, talking about every little development that came up and what the theories were about it and all of that, that I just, uh, you know, what we've learned about the guy who ran the place, he was kind of an awful person and right. and didn't care that other people were telling him you're going to kill a lot of people, which he eventually did. So that soured me on the story so much that I don't want to hear any more about him. I don't want to hear about him. Um, do I have interest in the story? I feel like I know everything I need to know about this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's another piece of it. Right. What could you teach me? Now, if, but, but I am fascinated by the science behind this. I am fascinated by um, the physics of it, of, you know, of the submersible going down. What turns me off of wanting to, to watch a documentary about it is the carelessness that went into, I, help me out with words here, but the, the carelessness, the ego, the, that, that went into this happening um the lack of research the lack of just just the carelessness that went into it yeah i think you could do a very good documentary on it but doing a very good documentary and having it be of interest to me or to a wide audience that's another question entirely um you mentioned mh370 when we were talking to the woman from mm -hmm. the amelia Earhart museum that i think um if and when in our lifetime they find that plane that's something I think you could definitely do because we just don't know. There are so many open questions about it, but there was so much after action report, if you want to call it that, about this incident. And my fear is that, you know, by playing the chilling, banging noises and all of that stuff is that it's going to spark a bunch of nonsense conspiracy garbage online. And we don't need any more of that. Um, I don't know. It's probably Netflix if I've seen it, but there are there is a documentary out about MH370. 
And it's almost not that interesting because we haven't found it yet. Because we don't, we don't know, know where it yeah, is. Right. And so a lot of it is about the theories. It's a, it's recalling all the conspiracy theories about where it might have been. And the only part of that documentary that I that I liked and appreciated was again the science behind like the last time you heard from it and what the winds were doing and that kind of thing. There's something about this about the Titan submersible that it's just dirty. It, this the, the 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 background of this is just dirty. Yeah. Well, and I think that again, as far as interest level, and we'll get to Joel in Overland Park and ask him what he thinks about this in just a minute. If you want in nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight, the thing that uh, maybe is an indicator that there may not be that level of interest in this is: Do you remember after they found the wreckage, how quickly that story dropped out of the news cycle? Oh, yeah. It was in a day or yeah. two, and then it was just yep. gone. <laughs> and, yep. you know, it was like, yep, he was a jerk. He did something stupid that he shouldn't have done that a bunch of people told him not to do, and it imploded, and everybody died. That's it. Good night, everybody. How do we feel about it? 913-586-7798. Will you watch it? Joel, unfortunately, couldn't stay with us. Joel, if you get a chance, if your oh. cell dropped on you, yeah, give us a call back and, and let us know he just dropped. Uh, but yeah, Joel, call us back. 913-586-7798. And it, yeah, that I mean, the question is really that simple. Do you want to see this? Is having that documentary about something that, first of all, was that recent? You know, right. that, that's the other thing about it is that this was a year ago. So eh, do you have the interest in seeing a, a long form documentary? Are there still questions that you have or just I mean, do you want to know more about the people that were involved? The, I guess the only one that I would be interested in hearing more about his story is the kid. Yeah. There who, was a, who didn't want to go. Didn't want to go and was doing it for his dad for Father's Day. Yeah. Was that right? Yep. Um, And it, again, I don't, I already know that part. Now, we do documentaries all the time about things we already know the story of. True. That's what history books are about. <laughs> we already <laughs> knew what happened, but that's why we, you know, um, yeah. And, and I think the other thing about this that, that weirds me out a little bit is what we've talked about before about the fascination with the wreckage of the Titanic. And, and there's a part of me that says, leave it alone. Okay, yeah, and that's that's fair too, but that may be the only thing. If there's something that really drives interest in this and gets people yeah. to watch this documentary, it's exactly that. It's going to be the Titanic people who are going to go, okay, this is now another part of the Titanic story, so let's check this out. And, I mean, I'm sure they're going to load the thing up with all kinds of images of the Titanic on the, on the uh, ocean floor as well. 913-586-7798, I think we have yeah. Shane on the line. We do. Hi, Shane. Hey, good afternoon. What's um, shaking, Shane? We, well, when you guys were asking if they are going to do it or should they, there are networks that that's their business model. That's true. ID. I mean, ID and and whatever the other ones are now that, you know, hey, how do you kill your wife and get away with it? Or, how, you know, I killed my <laughs> husband because he deserved it. Yeah. Uh, but anything, the, the American public has a just a, a hunger for the macabre and and jamie i think your word that you were looking for may be reckless you know yes. he's got a narcissistic guy yes. that's got money and he wants to be you know the next hey look at me and if you mix that with what 
from what I understand, that maybe he had some suicidal tendencies. He's going to go out, you know, I don't want to say with a, a blaze of glory because it was underwater, but, you know. Um, yeah. I, it, it, people are going to watch it. You know, I, I will you? I have an interest. Uh, yeah, I would probably watch it because I'm like Jamie. I'm, I'm curious as, as the science of it. I I kind of followed the story of obviously it was shoved in your face. You know, twenty four seven. We did the shoving. But, <laughs> I mean, we were fascinated <laughs> with it too. We talked about it every day. True, yeah. Exactly, but but I didn't ever watch it on TV. You know, it was kind of drive time stuff. Um, you know, I, I would like to see, and, and I would like to hear, just like when I watched the Challenger uh, deal, what was it that these whistleblowers knew? You know, I'd like to know kind of the science. I, You know, my favorite school, uh, you know, subject in high school was physics. Yeah. You know, that, that, that would interest me. All right. All right. Well, yeah. And, yeah, and for those reasons, um, I love it. Shane, thank you. Yeah, well, well put. I don't know. I, I mean, we'll find out. Like, when this documentary drops, uh, we'll find out how much interest there is in it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, all, all I can tell you is unless we start hearing this is the best documentary right. that's ever been made, if, yeah. it, if it drops and everybody goes, yeah, that was kind of cool. No, no, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'll do the same thing. I'll either let other people watch it first and see how it is, or I'll give it 20 minutes and see see how the first 20 minutes are. But I'm I was I admittedly I was completely caught up in that story. I was I consumed everything about it until they until they knew what happened. Yeah. I mean, that's where TikTok was. Man, everybody with any connection to any part of anything about it did a TikTok video about it. Yeah. Whether they were credible or not. And uh, yeah, how many of them are going to be featured in the documentary too? And, and we'll have yeah. to turn around and eat their words because of what they surmised and what actually happened. Yeah. We uh, need to get to a break here. If you want to get in, feel free. We'll get to your calls next on KMBZ. Phone number here, 913-586-7798. Just talking a little bit more about the Titan submersible. If you recall, it imploded. We were completely caught up in it completely we talked about it for days and days and days and days and days until it was all sorted out they have audio now that one would assume is just like the um like sonar sound just like metal hitting each other that's going to be used in the documentary yeah and it's all coming out there and our question to you is is it of interest to you i mean now now knowing this is in the works and i guess it didn't take a genius to kind of predict this but now that you know that it's coming is it something that's going to grab your interest enough to watch and we'll go to jill and leavenworth next to see what she's thinking about hi jill hi there welcome in i i just watched it the other day the thing about it is that um, it's all-inclusive. It gives a very good idea of the uh, characters involved, uh, not only the deceased, but the people around them and how the whole thing began. Persons who had already been on the sub and uh, had come back, and the whole idea was to go and see the Titanic. One of the uh, people that were actually died on this thing was a 75-year-old scientists, and I apologize, I don't remember what their names were, but he's from France, and his daughter was uh, interviewed, and he he knew the risks, and she didn't want him to go, and but he kept 
saying, well, you know, there are things that maybe I can teach them. There are things that maybe I can instruct them with so that this thing won't be the disaster that everybody is thinking that it's going to be. And then there was another gentleman who worked with them, but he was topside, <laughs> fortunately. Yeah, and fortunately for him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said that uh, the sounds and the water and the sonar and using that sound, they're using that kind of as, as sort of like clickbait, you know, oh, let's go see this, I want to hear it, which is disturbing. But he said if there were had been anybody alive, which there absolutely wasn't, they would have been doing the three long knocks, three short knocks for um, SOS. You know, SOS. Yeah. He said they, they would not have just been banging down there uh, indiscriminately for no reason. What I find problematic with the whole thing is just going to the Titanic to see what I feel is a gravesite. It should it should maybe be honored and it's just really i think the previous caller said macabre it's just kind of creepy to want to go down there they also also one last thing they interviewed uh, another set of a father and a son and they were supposed to go but the son didn't want to it was going to be for his 24th birthday and and he didn't want to go because he was afraid they'd been hearing all the things about it and then they dropped the price it was two hundred thousand dollars to do this they dropped the price to 150 and then they texted him again and said oh we'll drop it down a little more they wanted the they wanted the money and they wanted the people in the sub yeah mm. which just is but the whole it was really very engaging to watch and, where, where, and where did where did you see what you saw by the way because this I one wanted, i want to say it was on hulu but i okay. i can't recall it was a couple of nights ago and it was very late got it all right thank you Jill. yeah <laughs> okay. this one and uh and thank you for the call this one is upcoming the one that's got the yeah. the banging sounds in it uh, they've released the trailer for it but they haven't released the documentary in full yet yeah um i guarantee you it'll be popular i don't know if it'll be good but people will watch it anyway yes. it'll it'll get a lot of viewing i'm sure just because it's soon enough that we're still fascinated with it. So thanks, everybody, for getting in here. Uh, coming up in the next hour, we have a survey of America's favorite snack. It seems to be down to a, two of them. We'll get to that coming up in the next hour here on KMBZ. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.